1: Bring in show music, please.
0: This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today in our podcast, retailers are prepping for the holidays, but what kind of shopper can they expect? Target CEO Brian Cornell with some good tidings.
2: It's a consumer that is feeling confident right now. They're shopping in stores. They're also shopping online. They're spending across multiple categories, and we expect that to continue into the holiday season.
0: And while we're on that topic, some shopping tips from one of the most respected investors on Wall Street. You heard that right. Gamco's Mario Gabelli.
1: For Christmas and for Thanksgiving, instead of buying an NFT, you can get them a baseball team by buying the Atlanta Braves.
0: Those stories, plus the race for EV dominance and boosters, are ready for the rest of us.
3: Pfizer has come back with a very large study of 10,000 people, a lot more data, plus there's data from Israel supporting this.
0: It's Wednesday, November 17th. Is
4: this 1996 or 1999? I think it's 2021.
0: It is indeed 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now.
4: Stand, Andrew, by In three,
2: two, one, cue Andrew.
4: Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew ross along with Joe Kernan. Becky Quick is with us this morning and she is live from a Target store. Miss Quick, what is going on today?
5: Well, guys, uh, you know, it's a big week for retail. We've been hearing from the retailers already. Yesterday, it was Walmart and Home Depot that were out with numbers. And uh, today, it's Target that's going to be reporting. I'm at a Target store on 34th Street right now. And 34th Street, you usually think uh, Miracle on 34th Street and Macy's. But uh, this year, it's really the big box retailers that are kind of dominating things when it comes to what to expect for the holidays. Yesterday, as I mentioned, we heard from Walmart came out with better than expected numbers across the board. And yet the stock was still down by about 2.5% at the end of the day yesterday. Uh, tells you a little bit about how high expectations are. And then, guys, we have an interview coming up with Brian Cornell. That's uh, Target's chairman and CEO. He'll be joining us uh, for a 1st on interview.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tarjay. Yep. uh, Tarjay. They still do that? People still call it that? Let's talk about uh, this trouble at Activision. uh, A Wall Street Journal report saying that longtime CEO Bobby Kotick knew for years about sexual, sexual misconduct allegations at the video game company the report citing anonymous sources with knowledge of the board saying Kodak didn't inform the board about allegations of rape and mistreatment of female employees including one rape accusation that was settled out of court employees walked out of work yesterday for the second time this year demanding the company replace Kodak as CEO and ordered a uh, third-party review of sexual harassment allegations now activision's board responded in a statement posted on its website saying in part quote under bobby kodak's leadership the company is already implementing industry-leading changes including a zero tolerance harassment policy and a dedication uh, to achieving significant increases to the percentages of women and non-binary people in our workforce and a significant internal and external investments to accelerate opportunities for diverse talent the board remains confident that Bobby Kotick appropriately addressed workplace issues brought to his attention. The company also posting a public transcript of a video message from Kodak to employees. He said the Wall Street Journal was an inaccurate view of him and the company would move forward with a zero-tolerance policy for inappropriate behavior, but uh, clearly an issue and a story that is roiling uh, the company. The one part of this, and Becky and Joe, we, we, we've known Bobby for quite some time that I don't totally understand it, is the yeah. report suggests that the board wasn't informed about this, and yet the board, at least from the statements that the company is putting out, suggests that they were properly informed about what they were supposed to know throughout. So
6: it's hard. it's hard to know what, what the what the right answer is here. Right. Uh, it, it, uh, the, uh, what is inaccurate? Bobby. Yeah, inaccurate. The, the view is inaccurate, so I don't know. We need to know, you know, exactly what what's accurate and what isn't accurate, I guess, based on the there must have been sources right. that that uh, went into that, that piece, the journal piece. But anyway, it's, I, it's, I'd it's, like it's, to hear more.
5: I'd like to hear from Bobby because we've known from, him a long time. From Bobby directly. And I, I would like to yep. hear from him. Yeah, to, not, to hear what he says to this.
6: He's not the subject of the, yeah, it's a third party.
4: We're not talking about Bobby. Right.
5: Himself.
4: We're not talking about Bobby. No, right. we're not talking about Bobby, except that the company, unfortunately, or, the, or uh, obviously a lot of employees seem very upset and frustrated with him and his leadership. Right. And this goes to this whole idea of also just how empowered employees have become, I think, over the past couple of years, how you're starting to see walkouts and things that that, you know, just a couple of years ago, you probably wouldn't have seen over 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 issues, which clearly are serious. But just uh, the the sort of um, the activity, I think, is at a level we haven't seen in a long time.
5: Look, these are employees who are looking to be unionized, too. So they have a litany of other issues that they are concerned about and and, and upset about, too. But yes, I would like to hear from Bobby. The the report is concerning. Um, Would love to hear his take on it. The FDA is planning to authorize boosters of Pfizer's COVID vaccine for all adults as soon as tomorrow. That would expand the number of Americans eligible for additional shots by tens of millions of people. Meg Terrell joins us right now with more. And Meg, this is something that people have pretty eagerly been awaiting.
3: Yeah, Becky, it's really interesting how this got narrowed, of course, a couple months ago for Pfizer and then uh, followed suit with Moderna. and um, Well, not for J&J. That's pretty broad. Uh, But now Pfizer has come back with a very large study of 10,000 people, a lot more data. Plus, there's data from Israel supporting this. And so the FDA, according to reports, is expected to potentially clear this uh, Pfizer's vaccine for everybody 18 plus. This follows suit um, after what states have already started to do themselves and New York City. Uh, Meanwhile, there is news on the drug front this morning, Veer Biotechnology and GlaxoSmithKline uh, announcing a billion dollars in purchase agreements of their COVID antibody drug from the U.S. government. GlaxoSmithKline will deliver those doses by December 17th of this year with the option to purchase more through March. And this follows um, a lot of purchases we've been seeing just in the past few weeks of COVID drugs, even as this booster movement is going forward. Um, The government appears to be beefing up its arsenal of options to treat COVID. As we've been seeing, cases start to rise heading into the winter. Pfizer there is expected to have a deal announced this week for up to five billion dollars with the U.S. government, guys. So really a trend. Interesting to see the government uh, really buying up these medicines as they are still, of course, trying to get as many people vaccinated and boosted.
4: Okay, Meg Terrell. Thank you. And interestingly, I mean, the big debate on the FDA on some of these antivirals, though, is going to be whether they end up approving these pills for people who've taken the vaccine, because thus far they were they were tested against unvaccinated people. So that seems to be questioned both on the Pfizer uh, pill and also on the Merck
6: pill, but uh, on the Merck pill rather. Lucid shares a sword yesterday after the company reported a jump in reservations for its first vehicles. Also, its production plans for next year, companies that are still on track. And with this morning's gains, the company's market cap uh, has eclipsed Ford and GM, making it the second EV startup to do so uh, this month, along with Rivian. And um, Andrew, not to be confused with Lucent, which uh, was one of the casualties of the bygone era, remember? Here's my
4: question for you. Is this 1996 or 1999? I think it's it's
6: one of those.
4: I think it's I 2021,
6: isn't it? Uh,
4: no, I know, but I'm thinking I'm of just all of the money and the valuations that we saw in the late 90s and people getting so excited. And it was such an exciting time for the market. And what I can't figure out is when you see Lucid or you see Rivian, is that 96 where there's still, as I was saying, three or four years to go in this? Or well, is it
6: 99 and we're sort of on the precipice? And um, And how many you know, that we talked about in 99, do we talk about today? They're the biggest in the world. And the market cap is probably 10 times what it was total back then for all the players. But it's consolidated in three players or four players. So I don't know how it works. Tesla's going to be there. Tesla's going to be there. Lucid and Rivian. And I don't know. all these the the valuations,
4: I just don't know.
6: I just don't know. Yeah, there's money. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of money sloshing around. Uh, We know that.
0: Coming up on Squawk Pod, sorting out the supply chain before the holidays. Target CEO Brian Cornell on how he's
2: doing it. We're going to add another 30,000 team members to our supply chain system to make sure we can continue to flow that inventory into our stores.
0: We're headed to Target. Literally, Becky is actually there.
5: Good to see you, too. Thank you so much for coming in. I'd take your hand, but I won't.
0: (laughs) Someday. Yes. That's right after this.
7: People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org/moneytools. What's on the horizon for financial markets?
0: This is Squawk Pod today with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross-Sorkin. Here's Becky.
5: Welcome back, everybody. Earnings just out from retailer Target, and the numbers are significantly better than anticipated. Adjusted quarterly profit came in at $3.03 a share. That compares to the two eighty three dollars that the street was expecting, so that's a beat by $0.20. Cents. Revenue also above forecast as well. And then you have comparable st- source sales up by 12.7 percent. That is better than expected. If you're looking at the same store sales, that comp is up by 9.7 percent, and then digital sales up by 29 percent. So some incredibly strong numbers that you're running through. Remember yesterday, we heard from Walmart that had better than anticipated numbers. That stock was down by about 2.5 percent by the end of the uh, day. Yesterday, target shares were up by better than uh, 1.1 percent. We'll continue to keep an eye on this right now, down by about 2.5 percent. Strong numbers across the board. The only thing I would say is the operating margins. 7.8% 7.8% versus 8.5%. And a lot of people have been watching for any of these retailers to show some sign of pressure on their margins as costs go up across the board. Inflation is a situation everyone's dealing with. And the question is how much can you push back to your suppliers? How much can you pass on to the consumer? And then how much do you have to eat yourself? The reaction of the stock, a little bit of disappointment. That stock down by about four and quarter percent right now, maybe talking about the very high expectations that investors have at this point for any of these retail names. Joining us right now to talk more about it is Brian Cornell. He's Target's chairman and CEO. And Brian, looking um, at the results, it's stronger than the street was anticipating by a long shot on every metric that I've seen so far. What, what happened in the quarter?
2: Becky, I think the team just continues to deliver growth on top of growth. And I think this quarter we printed some of the best numbers in retail. To think about our comps up almost 13 percent. Stores continue to perform really well, up almost 10 percent. Our digital channel grew by almost 30% on top of 155% last year. And it was all driven by traffic. Uh, Traffic was up 13%. So we feel really good about the momentum in our business. Every one of our five key merchandising categories grew by double digits. So tremendous momentum in our business. And we continue to see a guest who is shopping at Target, shopping all of our categories, using both our stores and our digital channels. So we feel great about the performance and are excited about the holiday season.
5: You're raising your guidance in terms of same store sales, what to anticipate for the fourth quarter. Is that because of what you've seen in the early days?
2: Well, I think it's just the continued momentum we've seen in our business for seven quarters now during the pandemic. And I think America has come to trust Target, the investments we made in safety, and our team, to support the guests. I think we're being recognized each and every week. So we're anticipating a really strong holiday season.
5: You know, um, for a long time, the street was kind of looking to, okay, when are shoppers going to go back to their old pre-pandemic patterns? When will they disappear? When will traffic disappear? And and that didn't come to be true. Now I think the question is, when does inflation really hit the retailers? When do they get squeezed by the higher costs that we're seeing everywhere? Because they've managed to hold off on their profit margins and and look pretty good to this point. But the question becomes, when do things get tougher to manage? Your operating margin for the third quarter was 7.8% versus the 8.5% that it had been a year ago, so maybe a little bit tougher. What, what are you doing to manage inflation right now?
2: Well, one, Becky, we made some important investments in our business, investments in supply chain to make sure we have the inventory for the holiday season, investments in our team, and importantly, investments in value. And if you think about our business model, our proposition, going all the way back to expect more, pay less, value is a very important part of what we bring to the consumer each and every day. So we want to make sure we continue to reinforce our value position, and during inflationary times, we want to make sure the consumer is coming to target knowing we're going to provide great value.
5: When you say you made these investments in your supply chain, you're talking about the 30,000 uh, supply chain employees that you hired? Or are you talking about the additional ships that you've chartered to get things here for the holidays? We made holidays? a number of
2: investments. Obviously, you know, we have chartered our own ships to make sure that we could get inventory into the right position. We've been working very closely in the ports to make sure we're unloading our containers you know, in off-peak hours but really making sure that we've got inventory in our system. Our inventory in the third quarter was up $2 billion or almost 20%. So obviously we want to make sure we've got the inventory in our system to support the incredible demand we're seeing.
5: In terms of that inventory, the inventory being up um, and the demand being up, I think that's part of the question. You know, people have been saying the supply chain has been the issue, but I think part of it's been such strong demand for the consumer, too. What, what do you see just in terms of consumer demand across the country?
2: Well, I'll just look at our business. I mean, for our comps to be up 13 percent on top of over 20 percent last year, there's just continued demand in the system. And we're seeing it across all of our categories. So it's a consumer that is feeling confident right now. They're shopping in stores. They're also shopping online. They're spending across multiple categories. And we expect that to continue into the holiday season. So we're gonna make sure we've got the staffing in place, the inventory in place to meet that demand during the holiday season and continue to grow market share. And you know, we've been growing share throughout the pandemic. You know, last year, we added $9 billion of share. We continue to put share on top of last year. And we expect during the holiday season, it's going to be a consumer and a guest who is excited about celebrating the holidays and we're going to be a big part of that.
5: Yesterday, Doug McMillan was on CNBC and he talked about the hiring picture. Said it got a little easier to find people for the jobs that they've been hiring, as you all have been too, uh, when some of the government stimulus rolled off. Have you seen the same thing?
2: Well, we've had really strong retention throughout the pandemic. We've made big investments in our team you know, in 2020, we invested over a billion dollars in the health and welfare of our teams, and we've continued to invest. So we feel really good about our staffing going into the holiday season, and we're offering our existing team over 5 million additional hours, an investment of $75 million to make sure we're first investing on our existing team. But we'll also add 100,000 seasonal team members who will have a chance to start with us during the holidays, but hopefully can extend that into 2022 and beyond and have a rewarding career at Target.
5: What are your retention numbers now versus pre-pandemic?
2: Actually, some of the strongest in our history. So I think those investments we made in safety, the investments we've made in our team, you know, our engagement numbers are really high.
5: So you're losing fewer people than you were? Much fewer. Wow. Um, In in terms of that hiring, it it, it hasn't been a problem. Have you hit hit all of the 100,000 employees that you were looking for for the temporary workers? Becky, we're right
2: on track. I think it goes back to investments that you and I have talked about over the years. I think going back to 2017 when we said, we're going to invest in a starting minimum wage of $15. And we've just continued to invest in our team quarter after quarter. And I think that's built great engagement. It's a place where people want to work and want a rewarding career. And we're seeing it in stores, we're also seeing it in supply chain, where as you noted, you know, we're gonna add another 30,000 team members to our supply chain system to make sure we can continue to flow that inventory into our stores and into our digital channels.
5: You know, profit margins are, are something the street is looking very closely, not just at retailers, but across the board. Yesterday, Goldman Sachs actually raised its S&P forecast or its price target for the S&P for the end of next year because they think that, uh, profit margins will expand another 40 basis points next year for the S&P 500 in in general. That's a really tricky thing, and it's kind of counterintuitive when you're looking at these higher inflation costs. Does does that sound right to you? Does that sound like something that Target is going to contribute to?
2: Becky, we're going to look at how we manage the entire P&L. If I look at the third quarter, obviously we made some investments uh, that were reflected in lower gross margin rates, but we also saw great leverage in our SG&A. And expanding EPS by almost 9% in the quarter to me really shows how well we're managing the entire P&L during a challenging time where there are supply chain headwinds and some staffing challenges that some are facing and higher costs. You know, I think our team's done a terrific job of managing each part of the P&L and delivering for our shareholders.
5: I think Joe has a question too.
6: Yeah, Brian, we've just heard a lot about uh, how much uh, stimulus is in in the system, both fiscal from, uh, you know, the reaction and the response to the pandemic, which was necessary. Uh, you know, some quarters think that, that we've overdone it or that any additional stimulus might be overdoing it because numbers like this, it seems like things are, are, are going pretty well. Do you think that the reopened economy will take the baton from all this added stimulus? And so this, these types of numbers, uh, comp store gains, Will that continue for the next year? Will, will is more stimulus from the government necessary to keep that going? And would you ever see a time when same-store sales are flat uh, just because we have spent all the, uh, sort of the excess stimulus that, that we've gotten? Or, or can the underlying economy pick up that slack, you
2: think? Joe, we're trying to evaluate what 2022 will look like. Right now, we're expecting a strong holiday season. But as I think to the future, you know, we're gonna be a company that's gonna to continue to invest in growth and we're going to be a growth company that continues to build market share. So despite changes in the economic environment, we think we're positioned to win. The investments we've made in our physical stores, in our digital assets, using our stores as our fulfillment hubs, the investments we're making in our team, Joe, I think we're just going to continue to be a growth company uh, for years to come, and we'll be a company that continues to invest in its team and make sure that we are a company that continues to grow market share for years to come. So we're trying to get a better sense for what the future looks like from an economic standpoint but sitting here today we see a very healthy consumer and one that's absolutely spending time in our stores and our digital channels and i think we'll just build on that momentum for years to come no matter what the economic environment looks like
6: if we do keep throwing stimulus if if we get another you know 4 trillion uh, wh- whatever it is you do mention that your margins you all the usual suspects here for for why you maybe higher uh, compensation, uh, some supply chain issues, uh, freight costs, and and maybe some raw materials uh, go up. So is that okay to, that the increase in sales comes with some of the the downside from, from things being too tight, from too much money in the system, do you think? I, would, is it a good trade-off for you?
2: Yeah. And Joe, those are things we do each and every day. It's kind of fundamental to our business as we kind of manage costs and manage different headwinds and find the tailwinds. So We'll continue to maneuver through that, but we think we're, again, really well positioned in this environment. If there is another round of stimulus, you know, certainly we'll see a healthy consumer continue to shop in our stores and use our digital channels. But I think we're really well positioned to maneuver through some of the supply chain challenges. We've shown great agility throughout the pandemic. Um, the ability to put the kind of comps we're putting on top of last year's comps, I think just shows how flexible and agile our systems are how we maneuver through some of the supply chain challenges. We're ready for the holiday season. We've got, obviously, inventory growth of $2 billion to make sure we can meet the demand. So it's what we do each and every day. It's what our merchants do, our supply chain and sourcing teams do, and how our stores come to life every day. And we've just got to adjust to the challenging and ever-changing circumstances.
4: Hey, Brian, I was curious, is, is there any any read, anything that we can divine from uh, the shift in terms of mix, in terms of what people are buying right now. And the other thing I was gonna ask you, talking about mix is how you're thinking about your competitor set today versus even two or three years ago right now.
2: Andrew, as I just talked about, we're actually seeing growth in all of our categories. To think about all five of our key merchandising categories growing at double digits says, you know, the consumer is spending and they're, across, they're shopping across our store. So, you know, certainly as we sit here right now, standing right behind us is all the holiday decor. Consumers are getting ready to celebrate the holiday season. And we're seeing strength in decor. Certainly toys and gifting is really strong. Our toy business in the third quarter grew by 20%, and that's on top of 38% last year. So consumers are investing in decor and gifting, they're buying apparel again, they're still investing in their home. And some of our strongest categories are actually food and beverage and household essentials. So. We're seeing spending across all of our categories right now, and we just continue to see a really healthy consumer.
5: Hey Brian, the, the White House called you and some of the other big box retailers in for a conference to talk about the supply chain issues. What, what, what happened there? What was the takeaway? What did you learn?
2: Yeah. Becky, I've been involved in a couple of different calls. In fact, I spoke to the, the president last week, and it's been really constructive. We've talked about ways to share best practices from a supply chain standpoint. We've all committed to making sure that we're doing a better job in the ports. And I talked about the fact that, you know, we're a leader in that space because we unload a lot of our inventory, over 60% overnight during the off-peak hours. You know, we're utilizing other ports. So we've been sharing some best practices, but we've all committed to saying, all right, we're gonna make sure America can celebrate the holidays. And we're gonna have the inventory, the gifting, the toys that they're looking for. And you're seeing in our system today, So really constructive conversations around how do we make sure America can celebrate the holidays and the shelves are filled and we're investing obviously in inventory and staffing to make sure that America can come to Target and celebrate the holidays.
5: You, you did some pretty extreme things, like, as you mentioned, uh, chartering your own ships to bring the inventory in, going to different ports all the way to the East Coast to, to, to take some of the congestion out. Are you anticipating continuing, still having to do that after the holidays? Is this a first quarter issue, a second quarter issue? When do you see kind of improvement in the supply chain or is there just so much demand that there's it's too hard to tell?
2: Becky, there's been challenges from the supply chain standpoint going all the way back to the start of the pandemic as we saw demand surge. So this is not going to get resolved overnight. And ultimately, we're going to need to do a better job of leveraging technology and sharing data. So it's going to take some time. And I expect some of those challenges will roll into 2022. But over time, I think we'll see things will normalize. And some of the investments and the infrastructure investment is going to make a huge difference as we invest in ports and roads and bridges across the country.
5: This time next year, will things be normalized for the supply chain?
2: I think it's going to take some time. I think Not necessarily. We'll, we'll see some continued challenges as we go into 2022.
5: It, when, when you are looking um, across the business, strengthen all five of these businesses, um, where do you spend the most time kind of worrying about getting the inventory, worrying about finding this stuff? What's been the biggest challenge you've dealt with?
2: Yeah. Becky, I worry about all those things. You know, we worry about making sure the factories are running so that we can get the inventory. We worry about flowing it through our system. We worry about making sure each of our stores are properly staffed each and every day. I worry about the health and safety of our team. And I worry that um, the consumer continues to stay healthy and celebrates the holiday season. So we worry about all those factors, but I have confidence that we have a great plan. Importantly, we've got a really talented team in place and we're showing the agility and flexibility to adjust each and every day to changing circumstances. But I have lots of worries but I also have the confidence that I've got a great team in place, a strategy that's connecting with the consumer, and a consumer that continues to shop both our stores and takes advantage of our digital channels.
5: Uh, Last question, your dividends and your share buybacks have both increased uh, over the course of the year. Do you anticipate that continuing? What are your plans on that front?
2: Well, we've got a 50-year history of paying a dividend. You're gonna see that continue going forward. And we generate a lot of free cash flow. And we'll start by investing in our business and you'll see us invest in remodels and new stores next year, continue to invest in fulfillment and technology and supply chain, but we'll also make sure that we take care of our shareholders as we go forward. So we feel great about our position today. We think we've built tremendous momentum. And I think in the third quarter, we just printed some of the best numbers at retail.
5: Brian, wanna thank you for your time today. Always good to see you. Great to see you too. Brian Cornell again is the Chairman and CEO of Target.
0: Next on Squawk Pod, famed value investor Mario Gabelli on putting NFTs under your Christmas tree and where he's finding value in today's market.
1: When you look at Rivian selling at $180 billion market cap and I got these companies selling at $20 billion and they're going to give me electric trucks in the future, you know, I've got to be focused on them.
7: People today can spend half their lives over 50, so it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older like a family vacation, or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.
4: Canva presents stories to keep you up at night.
0: We're back with more Squawk Pod.
6: Good morning and welcome uh, back to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ uh, market site in Times Square. We don't have a, a transporter like Star Trek, so Becky has to actually make the physical move uh, back here from 34th Street, from that uh, that Target store. Uh, but Andrew's here. Becky's on her way back after the Target CEO, uh, Brian Cornell, interview. She'll be joining us shortly. Uh, at this point... We're having an okay week as far as the, the markets go. A little bit of a bounce back yesterday in the averages after uh, the first down week we had in five um, happened last week. And then next week, uh, it, time's flying, Andrew. Um, you know what next Tom's week is? Time's flying. A, turkey day is coming. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. You get tired? Tryptophan.
4: From the, the tryptophan and the turkey Do you believe that? How yeah. You L, 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 no? Huh? How could you not? You eat the turkey, you get tired. It's what it is
6: I have actually and I've been I get made fun of by my family I've been in a food coma have you ever been in a food coma where I, you just I am, you're yes. so tired in the middle of a meal where you almost have to go lie down it's probably my fault it's probably my fault I, it, I have but,
4: gone and lied down during <laughs> the meal
0: Our next interview is with CEO and chairman of mutual fund and investment firm Gamco Investors Mario Gabelli The firm has $33.5 billion in assets under management. Now, that probably could have been enough to get Wall Street to perk up when Gabelli starts talking, but it's really his long history in finance that has other investors paying him so much attention and giving him so much respect. He's been successfully betting on media and telecom stocks since the 80s, and he's a bit of a merger master. He actually co-wrote a book by that name a few years ago. It's a deep dive with over 20 deal-making investors on the science and the art that is a successful merger. Over the years, Gabelli has joined us on CNBC talking stocks, media, and mergers and acquisitions, and that last one earned him the nickname Dr. Love among anchors at CNBC, but you'll hear more about that in a second. For now, here he is on our TV broadcast today. Joe Kernan kicks it off.
6: I'm trying to figure things out here, Mario. You, 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 you figure there's going to be more split-ups, more, more divorces. You have made your name a, as Dr. Love, and that's what we always call uh, you Joe, about. Joe, Joe, uh,
1: thank you. Uh, but Companies corporate getting together. You.
6: Yeah, corporate companies getting together. But sometimes marriages don't work out,
1: but they'll s- still keep happening, right, Mario? Uh, corporate love making with private equity, SPACs, and strategic. For example, this week you had a couple of big deals. Uh, KKR got involved in buying uh, uh, Cyprus, Cyrus One. You had someone else buying CoreLogic's American Tower. That's going to be a lot more going on on a global basis. But the the thing that I'm talking about is that. The deals that you thought about in the past, Honeywell splitting up, ITT t splitting up, DuPont splitting up. All of a sudden, you had an avalanche with IBM, J&J, uh, and you had uh, uh, B- uh, Dell and VMware. And then you had United Technologies doing their thing, which worked extremely well. Then you had the non-US, Case New Holland. Tomorrow, they're having a meeting, splitting up. You had Toshiba's three-way split. You had uh, several others, uh, like uh, Volkswagen spinning off trade in their, their truck business. They're doing it. The point is that when the boardrooms of America look at this, when they look at what's going on, you have contagion. They're starting to think of if we've got a business that's growing at 2% and one that's growing at 10 and the market's paying only 4 or 5% for our growth rate, why not reexamine how we do it from a tax point of view and what's fair to the shareholders? So, That's what's going on. And some of them, like the IBM KD split off, you know, you have to be patient.
5: There are so many talks about what may happen with tax strategy in Washington right now. I I, I am sure investors like yourself are kind of looking through all of this and trying to figure out where the next step may be coming uh, in in terms of tax changes. Are you doing anything at all in your portfolio to plan or prepare Uh, for that? Great
1: question, Becky. And from that point of view, half of our clients are taxable and half are tax free their 401ks and so on, endowment plans and so on. So we have to also follow a mantra. It's not what we are percentage-wise, which is great. Like this year, we're way above, you know, I don't want to get into percentages, but they're public. But it's what you keep. So from a corporate point of view, the Congressional Budget Office put out a number uh, a week ago that said we as a country took in for the fiscal year ending October 31. First, $372 billion, $372 billion against like 220. With a constant nominal tax rate in the U.S. for depreciation running off uh, pre-2018, tax and earnings, nominal earnings, that's going to be $500 billion. And then on top of that, you have a tax rate of a minimum 15%. So those are a lot of moving parts. It is what it is. Uh, From our point of view as clients, uh, we look at, do not... (laughs) Take all your gains this year, because next year, if you have losses, you can only deduct 3,000. So you have to be practical. And that's what we do every day with a microscope and a telescope. So what I'm trying to understand,
6: Mario, is is in in the the environment you're describing right now, are you beating the bushes uh, for companies that are likely to combine with other companies? Or are you beating the bushes for companies that are going to not to uh, uncombine with other companies? Are you just looking for
1: businesses that have, uh,
6: for whatever reason, have have a bright future and and great management or all three? uh,
1: Joe, I think the answer to that is all of the above. From the point of view of what we call private market value from the 1970s, when a company's public, what's it worth if it's no longer public, private? Who wants to buy companies that have strategic Interest in them, and where is that money? So we do want to be like the pilot fish for a whale, you know, for the shark being in front and identifying the targets. Uh, Yes, we'll do that. Okay, then we observe with intensity, like Southwest Gas, when Carl Icahn is saying, "I want to own X percent." Then we look at companies. uh, For example, uh, this is the uh, the infrastructure. uh, The American Society of Civil Engineers has everything. You read the report card, which uh, you'll look at for your own children, your own family members. This is the American report card. Conventional infrastructure plus broadband is, uh, is helping them. alone. today we will talk about broadband uh, or tomorrow. And independent of that, what company makes the pipes for service lines to get let out? We have, uh, the EPA says there's five to 10 million homes that have to get let out. And as a result of that, uh, there's a company uh, in, uh, north, uh, in Minnesota uh, come on, Ferguson Falls, called Otter Tail. Otter Tail is utility, but they have a PVC pipe manufacturer. We have companies that do uh, copper. Those will benefit. Yes, we're identifying those. Then the other part, Joe, is, uh, you know, uh, Dell. Michael Dell comes along. We like to figure out how to do that. There's tax issues. Uh, we're looking at Case New Holland, which I'll have a meeting tomorrow with their analyst spinning off Iveco. Uh, when you look at Rivian selling at $180 billion market cap, and I got These companies selling at 20 billion and they're going to give me electric trucks in the future. You know, I've got to be focused on them. So I'm looking at both.
6: Have you bought an NFT yet, Mario? Have you bought a, a,
1: do you own any Bitcoin? There's an interesting story in Variety this week, Joe, on how the movie companies are going after uh, NFTs and how the uh, baseball companies are going after. For Christmas and for Thanksgiving, I would instead of buying an NFT that your your, your family member, your child, or your or even your sweetheart, boy or girl or whatever they are, uh, basically you can get them a baseball team by buying the Atlanta Braves. The stock's selling at thirty-one with sixty million shares. Uh, we think it's worth in the low forties, and Malone is going to do something in the next two years. Now we got a, a little speed bump with the Major League Baseball uh, contracts coming up. The second thing is basketball and hockey. Somebody just announced they're bu- trying to buy for Mario Lemieux and, among others, the Penguins. Well, you can get the Rangers for free by buying Madison Square Garden Sports. You know, the stock is 180, uh, you, get, uh, you know, and they did win the other night against Indiana. But then on top of that, you can buy a soccer team. So, you know, do I need to own something intangible or should I buy something that has economic value and a scarcity? How many more basketball te- uh, uh, teams are going to make? How many more baseball teams are going to create? Manfred
4: you know, uh, and so on. Hey, Mario, I don't know if you saw, there was a comment from John Skipper who used to run uh, ESPN recently, where he effectively said that he thought uh, that the regional sports networks were actually going to come under some real pressure and challenge uh, with the unbundling in a way that they had not before. And that would obviously impact valuations when it comes to teams. Do you agree with that?
1: I think there's a lot of moving parts on our regional sports networks, and I don't disagree. On the other side of the coin, There's an offset that has a huge tailwind. That's a headwind of uncertainty. The amount of money that's coming up for the owners of these, like uh, Sinclair Broadcasting, which is selling around 26, is political advertising next year. Secondly, the FanDuel's and the uh, Flutters are spending a lot of money, and they are replacing car dealers. Car dealers will come back in a big way in terms of spending, uh, so the local TV stations will do well. But, Andrew, you've got a good point. And that is, uh, how do we offset the uh, challenges on RSNs and colleges, college sports, uh, uh, Major League Baseball, and uh, football, and uh, NFL? And how do you offset that with the revenues coming in from their ability to attract eyeballs and get more advertising because of gambling? So there's, uh, there's some companies that have a, uh, will have a challenge, but that's part of the American system. You make mistakes. And you make opportunities and uh, you uh, and that's why it works with all the flaws.
6: We got to go, I guess, Mario. You think how many streaming companies will there be in five years that, that everybody has?
1: Joe, uh, that's work in progress. Look, uh, how much can they pay for it and how much should they be paying for it? Look, we got music, Spotify and all of the vendors, whether it's Sony. Uh, Sony's Sp- Sony's a logical next step. Uh, and then uh, I would guess Viacom. Uh, uh, there's a, a morsel with great manager of a, a, a backers she's doing a great job. But, you know, you're talking about a stock with 640 million shares at 40, Joe, $28 billion of market cap with some debt of 10 billion. But that's not thing. I don't understand why uh, it's still around. All right. All right, Mario.
6: You, you told you. me about you told me about pets like 20 years ago. I've had a dog that's had uh, underwater uh, treadmills and and acupuncture for a spine injury, and I sp- I spent twelve dollars for a little bag of. Tre- I got three dogs, and you were right. The explosion of of what we do for our animals is it, it was something you called very early. You're probably out by now, right?
1: Our companion pets, uh, Joe, are you know you just got you love know them because
6: you got a choice. People are pets and it's like okay hey,
1: the amount of money individuals are spending on certain parts of health care for the companion pets well it's worthwhile it's unbelievable
6: so- it is i'm telling you acupuncture for my my sweetheart uh, zara who's gone but anyway thank you uh mario Gabelli. we will want we
3: to
0: see you again soon that's the show for today thank you for listening as always Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, you know what to do: listen and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts and share it with whoever. We really appreciate all the love. We'll meet you back here tomorrow.
1: Now we
2: are clear. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much.